today on City Cash Chicago. Haunted hotels, disappearing hitchhikers, and headless horsemen. These are just a few of Chicago's spookiest ghost stories. But what's the difference between a scary story and a historical tragedy? Mysterious Chicago tour guide Adam Selzer says it's all about how you tell it. It's Thursday, October 26th. I'm Jacoby Cochran, and this is What Chicago's Scared About. Adam Selzer is an author and tour guide. Adam, welcome to CityCast. Hey, good to be here. Chicago has its share of ghost stories, haunted mansions, terrible tragedies. But what do you think is Chicago's most well-known ghost story? Well, our most well-known ghost story has got to be Resurrection Mary, the Vanishing Hitchhiker. And a lot of cities have Vanishing Hitchhikers, but usually it's something you hear about happening to like a friend of a friend of a friend of the guy you waited in line for Space Mountain with. In the case of Resurrection Mary, there was a rash of first-hand sightings between about the 30s and the 70s. At this point, the story is so well-known that if somebody tells me they saw her, I'm just not sure I believe it anymore. (laughs) (laughs) So, So what is the story of Resurrection Mary? Which, again, we're getting this started off right. That is a terrifying name that could keep me up at night. Right, that that might be the whole point. Well, Resurrection Mary is one of those vanishing hitchhikers. People will pick her up while they're out driving, and then she won't really say much in the car and to point her down the road. Then they get to Resurrection Cemetery down on the south side, and she just sort of vanishes. Now, sometimes you can embellish this. You know, the vanishing hitchhiker is uh, a common legend. In the 1940s, folklorists started writing down all the tropes. They usually, they, uh, the guy meets a woman in a ballroom and dances all night. Her hands are cold, but that means her heart is warm. And at the end of the night, he offers her a ride home, but as they go by the cemetery, she screams and vanishes. So she, he thinks that perhaps she just jumped out of the car, so he drives to the address and the mother says, that can't have been my daughter. She died a year ago today in a terrible wreck. I don't like how you're narrating this already. My, 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 I get the goosebumps. It's like even just the tone of your voice. I, I could feel that like that shiver going up my spine. I'm not a fan, Adam. You're doing great, though. <laughs> <laughs> but yeah, next, next day he goes to her grave and his sweater is sitting on her gravestone. Now, what's interesting about Mary is if you look at the firsthand sightings, it's usually a lot of that stuff isn't there. It's like I picked up a girl that was crying by the side of the road because I thought it was a girl from my school. Then I realized she wasn't the girl from my school, but I couldn't drive away then. We got about a block, and she just disappeared by the cemetery. And that, that what, that's what makes it a little bit more compelling to me is that, you know, the firsthand accounts don't include all of the tropes that you expect them to. There are all those supernatural elements. Yeah, and she never really says what her name is either, so it could have been like Resurrection Ethel or something. But Resurrection Mary is just that much spookier, so we go with that one. I mean, how do stories like this become so popular? People just bored, you know, almost 100 years ago and just needed something to to entertain themselves or or, or you know, do, do human beings just have this sort of unspoken obsession with that which can't be explained? Well, I think that's I think that's always how it's been. We've always been interested in telling ghost stories. These go back hundreds of years in some cases. And, you know, the motivation for them changes. Sometimes it's uh, how we cope with death. It's how we cope with trauma. Sometimes it's just fun to scare people. And then, well, ghost stories evolve, like, similar to the way that, say, folk songs evolve. They kind of travel from place to place and take on different aspects as times change. 
What do you think is a Chicago ghost story that a lot of people don't know and you think more people should look into it? Oh, that's a good question. There are quite a few of them. A lot of them just kind of slipped through the cracks and whatever house they were supposed to be haunting got torn down or something like that. Uh, one that I really like talking about, and it's hard to find firsthand accounts of any of this stuff, but supposedly there is a headless horseman who rides around on Loomis in the back of the Yards neighborhood. It is said to be the ghost of a guy who was killed during the Pullman strikes in 1894. Now, this isn't something we can really back up. I've never found a story of a cavalry being decapitated in those strikes, not for lack of looking, but I love a good headless horseman story. I was going to say, I was like, that feels like another common story that, you know, is cross-continental. There are headless horsemen around. Uh, and I mean, a lot of Chicago's stories and haunted spots are really just places where awful, awful things happen. I think about the Iroquois Theater. Do you think there's a difference between a scary story and a historic tragedy? Uh, really, it all comes down to the telling. Well, the, the, the scary story part is usually sort of the epilogue. Like when I'm telling a ghost story on a tour, I'll tell the historical story. And after that, well, here's what people say they have seen and experienced there since. And I'm, I'm, it's, you never know what, when the people say what they're seeing there. It's hard to, hard to vet these things. It's hard to tell whether they might just be making it up or what. And oftentimes when people are telling me these stories, I can tell when, they, when they're just telling me what they think I want to hear. If they tell me they see a woman in a white gown or a little girl chasing a ball, those 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 two come up over and over and over again. But, you know, you, when, they, when they have a little twist on it, when it's not quite what I would expect to hear, then it's at least worth repeating. I don't necessarily vouch for it, but I'm, it's okay to repeat. Yeah. I mean, the Iroquois Theater example, you know, over 100 years ago, a, a major fire took place. People weren't able to get out based on the construction. And in the, the decades since, people say if you walk past, I think it became the Oriental and now is the Nederlander. Am I correct in that? Is, is that the right? Nederlander, yeah. Uh, that if you walk past late at night, that, that sort of back alley, you could steer, hear some of those screams. I mean, like, is this like a tragedy that's just so heartbreaking that maybe we shouldn't tell these ghost stories about them? Like, you know, how does something like that help us to make sense of these events? Right. That's definitely the moral dilemma, whether I'm just kind of cashing in on a tragedy from 120 years ago. And it's part of why I don't really cover stories from after about 1940. Um, but one way, if um, if the ghost tours weren't telling the Iroquois theater story, practically no one would be, really. It's uh, part of what keeps these things alive and keeps interest in it going. Sometimes the ghost stories are just how they stay in our memory. And also just the fact that these stories have stayed in our memories is why they become ghost stories. How do you approach your research, you know, focusing on real life stories versus paranormal accounts or, or are you blending the two? Like what, what's your strategy? Well, the first thing to do is get as much of the history down as possible. That's a, really a whole separate sort of research than getting the ghost stories. And for that, what I like to do is get as many primary sources as possible. I'll go back to trial transcripts. I'll go back to old ladies' diaries, uh, the microfilm room at the newspaper archives. You know, Chicago had a lot of different newspapers at the time of the Iroquois Theater fire. By going through all of these, you get a lot of interesting stories and a lot of stuff. And like the trial coverage, you find out that the uh, fire curtain that was supposed to be made out of asbestos was really asbestos, cotton, and wood pulp, which saved them $56. So yeah, once I've got that together, then usually it's a matter of, I really want to find firsthand accounts of the sightings, people who've actually say that they've seen a ghost there. What do you think makes one sighting story better than the other? You say it, you know, you like one that, you know, feels like a first person account versus a collection of tropes, but, but what's the perfect sighting story for you? 
Um, somebody who genuinely didn't know the backstory of a place, someone who was absolutely sober and seems fairly coherent when I talk to them, and one who isn't just kind of repeating something they saw on on a ghost story TV show or something. Okay. Just just the Svengoli episode of the week, just sort of retold. Right, or just like some, rehashing something you saw on The Haunting of Hill House or something. With all the stories you, you've learned and retold, where do you think is Chicago's most haunted spot? That's always a tricky question. Like, are we going by quality or quantity? And how, like, uh, per, or, or even like density? Is there a different answer for both? Uh, possibly. I mean, you could imagine that that uh, the old Dunning Cemetery, which has tens of thousands of people buried in what are now unmarked graves, you can imagine there's probably quite a lot of ghosts there, but people don't really seem to encounter them very often. So, um, I would I have occasionally said that if the Congress Hotel isn't haunted, no place is haunted. And there's a lot of real nonsense stories about that place, but we don't need them. There are plenty of uh, firsthand accounts. There's plenty of real historical stuff. We don't need to be making this stuff up about the place. What's an example of the Congress Hotel ghost sightings, but then those very real accounts? Uh, the very real ones tend to be the stuff you hear from the guards and the staff. Like uh, one of the people working the desk told me a while ago, a whole group of Marines came running out of their hotel room in their skivvies, wouldn't go back for anything because of some kind of weird shadow they were seeing in the place. And there were a number of stories about this shadow that was scaring people. Like one guy called down to security and said, there's, there's something in my closet, some kind of like shadow. I don't know what it is. And they said, well, sir, can you just look in the closet? He's like, No. And packed the bags and left. Oh, my God. And then, I mean, w over the years, what, what are some of the, the, the major stories coming out of the Congress? Because this is one that I knew um, all the way back as a kid. You know, uh, people were telling me that th this is a haunted place in Chicago. Right. Well, before about 20 years ago, if you looked up like Congress Hotel ghost stories, it would just really be kind of a list of names of famous people who stayed there and then said, and now they are said to haunt the place. Inevitably, there were stories that Al Capone owned the whole place or hung out in the whole place. Uh, definitely didn't own it. Shaky on whether he was ever actually there at all. Um but there's there were there were some most of the ones that I got at the time like the uh, the security guards in 2006 were telling me that now and then they would see a guy with a peg leg walking around that's a very interesting kind of ghost. Um, there was a little kid who was supposed to show up on the 12th floor of the North Wing. Uh, since then, there's all these stories about the one particular room that is the haunted room and that that inspired Stephen King's 1408. All of that stuff they've made up since. Or other people have made it up for them since. When I was first doing research and interviewing people about the Congress Hotel, that wasn't one that any of the staff knew anything about. I mean, when I think of ghost stories, you know, the, these haunted tales, the question I always ask is, the world is scary enough. The history of Chicago is built with enough real tragedies why do why do you think we need ghost stories? Why why do we still tell scary stories if the world is so damn terrifying already? But there's there's a certain aspect to us, the idea that there's stuff out there that we don't understand, that there's stuff that we haven't figured out. And for some people also, it's a kind of assurance that there's maybe something waiting on the other side, that your existence doesn't just come to an end the moment that you die. I talked about our most well-known, but do you have a favorite story to tell? Oh, hmm. 
I think my favorite might be one of the more recent ones that I don't normally tell. I love stories of phantom foul mouths, ghosts who uh, swear at people. And there's one of them. When I was first in the business, uh, part of my job was going on ghost investigations. And they took me to one at an old funeral home that had now become a tattoo parlor. And the new owner of the place who had turned it into a tattoo parlor was a guy who went by the name of Tapeworm. And Tapeworm had so many good stories for us, so many things that weren't just what I, what him telling me what he thought I wanted to hear, like ghost of a guy in a powder blue suit, ghost of a guy in a brown suit, a ghost who would try to push him down the stairs. And he, he told us, and in, in, I'm cleaning up his language a lot, but he, he said, like, first time when they tried to push me down the stairs, I just went, listen, if I die in this place, it is on! And then he died in the place just a few weeks after he said that. And since then, they, almost immediately, they forgot the place was ever supposed to be haunted by funeral parlor ghosts. After that, it was just about the ghost of Tapeworm. And they, they made audio recordings that sound a lot like him swearing at them down in the basement. Oh, my God. I mean, having done this as long as you have, are you more or less certain that some of these stories are, are real, that that ghost sightings aren't just in our head, that screams from alleys aren't just sort of in our subconscious because we caught these stories somewhere along the line. Are you, do you believe more or less now? I, I feel like in the, in the heat of the moment, I'll believe just about anything. By the cold light of dawn, I can probably come up with some more logical explanation for most of this stuff. And, and beyond that, even if I can't explain something, I always tell people that that's kind of where it stops. If, if I pick up a weird voice and I can't explain what it is, uh, if I say that this is a dead person coming back, that's kind of my imagination filling in the blanks. Adam Selzer, author, haunted tour guide, and now, honestly, you've got me. I, I'm more invested in these stories than I were at the top of the conversation. Thank you for making time for CityCast today, Adam. Uh, thanks, Kobe. Before I let you go, a quick reminder for more news and events, including where to get rid of all them pumpkins after the holiday is over, head to our website at chicago.citycast.fm. That's also where you can subscribe to our Hey Chicago newsletter and catch up on old podcast episodes. Again, that's chicago.citycast.fm. Of course, like every episode, I'm going to leave you with some good news. Tomorrow kicks off the week-long 312 Comedy Festival. You can catch huge names like Nicole Byer and Hannibal Burris, and of course, they're going to have some local comedians there as well. Shows are across the city, so check the show notes for more information. As always, we appreciate you for reading and listening. We're back bright and early tomorrow morning, breaking down some key stories from the week. I'm going to talk to you then. Peace. Just go on and hit that little star, right? Favorite it. Bookmark it. Make sure it's easy to get to.